Church, today we're going to be continuing our sermon series. It's entitled, When Pigs Fly. And if you haven't been here all month with us, it, the, the title of that sermon, what it represents is the fact that a lot of times we hear about miracles, we see miracles, and, and, and we hear of God doing things, and we kind of have that disbelief that he would ever do that thing in our life. But I want you to know, church, that we serve a God who is still in the miracle business month we're talking about those miracles and the first week we talked about the miracle that Jesus has over the power of darkness and last week we talked about miracles of healing and today what we're doing is we're talking about miracles of protection Matthew chapter 22 verse 29 says this it says Jesus replied you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God how many of you have ever prayed this type of prayer before? This goes like something like this. If you get me through this, God, I'll serve you forever. Or maybe you, you, you prayed to him like, God, you know, I didn't study for that test, but if you get me through this test, I'll honor you. Or, or maybe it's you're praying to God like, Lord, you get me out of this speeding ticket like Ray was talking earlier. You get me out of this speeding ticket. I promise you I'll never speed again. For those of you who maybe indulged in too much drink in your younger years, where you pray, God, like if you'll just keep me safe, you'll get me home safe, I'll never drink again. Or just flat out, God, if you save me from this, I'll serve you forever. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37, church, verse 39, it says this, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. I want you to hear that this morning. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. This tells us about God's power here, church. It tells us about God's power, that our God has the power to save, that our God has the power to deliver, that our God has the power to rescue each and every one of us. But sometimes he doesn't. I have a book in my office. It's, it's a very unique book. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book before. It's called The Pessimist's Guide to History. And what it is, it's like every horrible thing that ever happened in the world during the recorded time. I mean, it, it tells about these horrific tragedies. It even talks about, you know, how many people died in that tragedy. And I recently read this one story in there about a guy by the name of George Lampson. And in 1985... In 1985, he boarded a flight, and it was flight 203, and moments after the takeoff, this plane crashed, killing everyone on board, the crew, and all the passengers except him. And as the story goes, it says this, that George was launched through the fireball in the crash, and he was discovered sitting in his seat with his safety belt attached to him, and he was in the middle of the street. He was the only survivor in that plane crash. And this guy went on to say this, he felt survivor's guilt. Why did God only protect me and nobody else? Why is it that I was the only one that was saved and everyone else must perish? And so sometimes, church, we ask ourselves that question, how can God protect someone and not protect someone else? Today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the tension. You know, this world we live in today, there's a lot going on, right? Of a God who can save, of a God who still protects, 
of a God that does some things the way that we don't always think that he should? And today what I want to do is I want to provide you with maybe some answers, possibly comfort, but what I mostly want to do is I want to build your faith. I want to build your faith in a God who does miracles. So today, I want to give you two big thoughts. The first one is this. Long before you face a problem, God has a plan. Hear me out, church. Way before the problem ever pops up in your life, God truly has a plan. Long before you face something, maybe it's unexpected, maybe it's something difficult, maybe it's even something tragic, God already has a plan. Long before the rain flooded the earth, God had planned for Noah and his family and certain animals to, to be saved in the ark. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God had planned for the giant fish to swallow him and get him to shore. Long before the Israelites' church was trapped, and on one end, they had the Egyptian army coming at them. The other side was a mountain, and the other side was the Red Sea. Long before that ever happened, God had planned to part the Red Sea for them to stand on solid ground. So what does that mean for you and me today? What does it mean exactly for us today? Maybe there's someone here today. Maybe there's somebody watching at home online that, that, that can find comfort in knowing that God has a plan. God, who maybe knows that you're sick. Maybe God, who, who knowing that you're struggling. Church, he does have a plan for you. Long before you discovered the bad news about your health, God has a plan. Long before you lost that job, God had a plan. Long before some girl or some guy broke your heart, I want you to know, church, God already had a plan. So what do we know about God? Here's what we know about God. God is a God who can miraculously rescue, who can miraculously save and protect each and every one of his children. That's the God that we serve. Church, he can commission angels. So he can commission angels to come down and guard around his people to keep us safe. He can shut the mouths of hungry lions. He can calm a raging storm. That is the God that we serve. And long before you ever face your problem, long before that, God already has a plan. He's already got it planned out for you. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about the miracle of protection. Acts chapter 16 is where the bulk of our text is going to come from today. So if you'll turn to Acts chapter 16, and I kind of want to give you a little bit of the context of what's going on here in these verses. So there, there was this girl who was a slave, and she was possessed by demons, and, and what was going on is she was able to predict the future. She was making her owners some fat cash. That's what she was doing. I'm talking big money. They were using her <clears throat> to make money off of what this demon who she was possessed with was giving her. And so evidently, if you read Acts chapter 16, she kind of became a nuisance to Paul and Silas. And the Bible basically tells us right there that they got sick and tired of her doing her deal. So they turned around and they cast the demon out of this girl. <clears throat> now here's the important part. The men who owned her, these guys that owned her, they were completely upset. Because, see, they were making sweet moolah off of this poor young slave girl, and they lost their cash cow. 
They could no longer make the money from her. So they got really upset, and what they did is they went around, and they told lies about Paul and Silas. They started spreading all these rumors about them, and what happened is they, they got so involved in it, it started a riot. It started a riot, and even though it was all lies about Paul and Silas, they were in the middle of this riot. Look with me, Acts chapter 16, verse 22. It says this, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. So church, after they were stripped, after they were beaten with these wooden rods, they were thrown into prison. And there was a jailer who who was commanded, church, he was commanded to guard them carefully. So what do we see here? We see Paul and Silas, they were out serving Jesus. I mean, they were faithfully doing what God had called them to do. They They were doing exactly what it is that God called them to do. And they were unfairly accused. They were wrongfully stripped of their clothing. They were flogged and beaten with wooden sticks. I'm talking severely beaten. And so if I'm on Paul, if that happened to me, at some point I might be thinking like, God, that's not fair. I'm serving you. This is what you called me to do. You mean you can't protect me? I'm doing everything that you asked me to do. I'm using all the gifts that you've given me. And yet this is what's going to happen to me. You know, it wasn't fair. Not only was it not fair, church, but it also was illegal. If you know anything about the historical context of what's going on here, Paul was a Roman citizen. He was a Roman citizen, so he was exempt from that type of punishment. Romans didn't do those kind of things to Roman citizens. So it was illegal for him to be punished in that way. He was not only wrongfully accused, he didn't do anything wrong either. But he also was unfairly treated. He was beaten, and he should have been exempt from this. So maybe today, church, I hope, I hope and pray that you've never been stripped and beaten physically, but some of you, I know this to be true, some of you have been stripped of your hope. You've been completely stripped of your hope. You've had faith in your life. I mean, you believed heavy that you could trust in God, that God was going to protect you, that God was going to take care of you, and then something happened to you. Something horrific happened to you, and you were stripped of all your hope. You no longer have hope in what you believed in before. You might not have been beaten with a club, church. You might not have been beaten with wooden rods, but you know what? You've been beaten with words of discouragement. I'm talking about someone came down hard on you and they just constantly was berating you and putting you down. may have been from other people, but some of you, you know, some of you, you're beating yourself up with words of discouragement. You're believing, you're telling yourself that you're not worth it. You're telling yourself that that you're no good. You're telling yourself that you don't deserve anything. Church, maybe at one point you were once a vibrant, full of faith kind of person, but now you feel like you've been stripped of what you hold very dear to your life. But you know what? You've been beaten down unfairly. Church, I want you to know that comes from the enemy. That's exactly where that comes from. That comes from the enemy. So I want you to go back. I want you to be thinking about Paul, okay? So Paul was out doing what God called him to do. He's publicly, painfully tortured, and he's beaten. He shouldn't even been, shouldn't even happen to him because he was a Roman citizen. So what would he do if he was everybody today? 
If Paul was living today and this happened to him, what would he do? Most of us, of course, would say, God, that's not fair. You know, I, I don't know where you're at, Lord. You know, you, you, you promised that you would protect me and you didn't. God, you, you didn't provide that miracle protection. So, so where are you at? You know, God, you could have called down a 10-foot angel to surround me and, and to, to speak that these people are doing this to me. Like, hey, you mess with her, you're going to mess with me and all my brothers too. God, you could have done that. You could have done that thing. God could have done that for you, but maybe, church, he didn't. Maybe he didn't. So what did the apostle Paul do when God let him down? When God didn't protect him, Paul did what happens all the time today. Paul did exactly what happens all the time today. You know what? He stopped going to Wednesday night Bible study. I ain't going no more. You know what, Paul, Paul, so he stopped talking to all his church friends. I, I, I don't need that. He stopped going to, to church. You know, he wouldn't answer the preacher's texts or the preacher's phone calls. He even quit listening to Caleb, and it wasn't even the pledge drive, okay? <laughs> he only listened to secular music, and from then on, because you know what, God, I'm going to show you. Church, isn't that what we do? Isn't that exactly what we do? Because God could have protected him, but God didn't. Is this getting real for you this morning? Let me tell you really what Paul did. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says this. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. One of the most important parts of that text right there was this, and the other prisoners were listening. Do you realize, church, the world is watching you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the world is watching you. How do you go through your struggles? How do you go through the difficult times in life? Are you acting exactly like the rest of the world? Are you kind of acting like Paul and Silas? It says around midnight, remember these guys were in prison. They were beaten. They were tortured. They, They were all through this stuff. And it says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of God. They were worshiping him. I'm talking about that they were lifting their hands. They were lifting their hearts. They were lifting their voices. And they were giving God all the glory and all the praise. And all the other prisoners were listening. And could you imagine those guys? They're probably thinking, these guys are crazy. We're all in here together. This is not a fun place to be. And those guys are worshiping and singing I've never seen anything like this before. Check out Acts 16, 26. It says this, Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. My favorite word, church, in that verse right there is suddenly. Suddenly. Do you realize our God is a God of suddenly? You can sit there and be going through life and things are difficult and things are hard and then suddenly God does something to show you I'm still here. You can be struggling. I mean, talking, I have the worst news you've ever had and suddenly God does something. Even when you don't see a way out, suddenly God shows you. When you are surrounded, I'm talking you've got no hope. Even when you've been beaten down, when you've been stripped, Suddenly you see God. You know, a few moments ago, God didn't protect protect Paul and Silas. But suddenly there was a miracle. And what is this miracle, church? What is the miracle? 
A miracle, remember what I told you the very first week in this sermon series, a miracle is simply when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. Where nothing else could do it, it's the God in heaven will intervene. He will do something that there's no explanation for except for God is the one who did it. See, God didn't earlier in this story, earlier he didn't do any miracle of protection. They were kind of on their own, but suddenly now he does one. The Bible says the ground shakes, the doors fly open, the chains fall off. And so what is so interesting to me is this. Paul didn't worship after the miracle. He didn't wait to worship after the miracle. That's what most of us do, right? We we wait, all right, God, where are you at? We're begging, we're pleading, we're praying. And, and, And when God finally does something, you're like, all right, man, that's my God right there. No, you know what? Paul and Silas worshiped God before the miracle. See, Hebrews calls this something specific. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Church, it's called a sacrifice of praise. When you are worshiping him before the miracle, it's called a sacrifice of praise. See, a sacrifice is an offering. It's us offering something at a great cost to ourselves. I mean, it's going to cost you something. I'm talking about you came in here maybe this morning. You're like, it's a miracle I haven't got here because I ain't feeling it. I hope the praise and worship's good. If they don't sing my favorite song, I'll probably leave. Yeah, I hope the preacher got a good sermon. Because I I made it here today. He better have something good for me. See, church, a lot of us, we come in here with that attitude. We're not feeling it, right? We just didn't even want to be here. But, man, by the grace of God, it was a sacrifice. You pushed forward. You made it happen. You got here on time. Or maybe not. (laughs) You got here late. See, there's times we don't feel him. Church, there's times we don't even sense him, but we praise him anyways. That is a sacrifice of praise. You might not feel anything yet, but you know what? You're going to continue to worship him. You're going to continue to call out to him. We're worshiping church for what he has not done yet. We're worshiping him for what he has not done yet. We're not worshiping for what he has done, but church, we're worshiping him for who he is. You don't worship God just because of what he's done for you. You worship him because he's God. He is the one who is doing it. It is called a sacrifice of praise. You know, I, I don't feel it, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to push through. No, I'm going to honor you today. I'm going to worship you. I ain't got it in me, but you know, I'm going to do it anyways. It's a sacrifice of praise. So church, when do we worship God? When we feel him (laughs) and when we don't. You worship him when you feel him and when you don't. See, we worship him when we see his hand. Church, we also worship him when we don't see his hand. The fact that he is doing something, you don't always see it. So we offer him a sacrifice of praise. I believe that's what some of you had to do this morning. I really do believe it. I believe some of you had to offer him a sacrifice of praise. Maybe you ain't feeling it right now. Maybe you're struggling in life. Maybe you feel a bit deflated. Maybe church this morning, you feel a bit defeated. 
but you praise him anyways. You praise him not for what you see him doing, but you praise him because of who he is. Some parents, man, some of us parents, you know what? You're praying, you're praying, you're praying for your kids. I mean, you're praying hard. Your kids are out doing their thing, and maybe it's not, as my mom would say, I didn't raise you kids to be like that. And you're just waiting like, God, I want you to do something. I want my God to intervene from heaven and perform a miracle in my child's life. Maybe that's what some of you are, are, are saying today. And maybe God is just telling you this, just keep praising me. You, you keep praying for your kid, but you just keep praising me. Start thanking him, church, ahead of time. And someone teach me a long time ago, they said, you know what? When you're praying to God, you thank him in advance for what he's going to do for you. You thank him for advance. You might not even know what it is, but let me tell you what, it's your God. You know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be what you need. So you thank him in advance. You thank him before you see anything. You thank him before you hear the answer or see the answer. You thank him, church, and you offer a sacrifice of praise. So before there was a miracle, let's go back to Paul and Silas. Before there was a miracle, Paul and Silas was praising God. It was that sacrifice of praise and somehow, church, somehow, here, there might be a need today in your life. You might have a, a, a need and it's taking him a little bit of time. We're all instant people, aren't we? We think as soon as we lay down one time, Lord, I'm going to just pray one time. It better happen in five minutes. You, you laugh. <laughs> That's how you act. <laughs> it really is. All of us, we act like that, don't we? We're praying for God to do something. As soon as we pray it, man, you think it should be instant. But God's like, hey, I'm doing something here. I, I'm doing something here. And we praise him not because of what you see him doing. Again, church, because of what he is. So these two guys, they were in the middle of prison. It's midnight, and they are praising God. And then God shows himself in an earthquake, right? Acts chapter 16, if you'll get back there with me, verse 27, it says this. It says, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. So this dude is going to kill himself because, you know what, he's going to lose his job. If you remember what I told you, they said, you better make sure you take care of these guys. You watch them close. And during Roman times, the jailer, if any of his prisoners escaped, guess what? That was on him. They would take his life before they went to go find the prisoners because he failed. That's how tough it was. So he let them escape, so Rome was going to kill him for it, and they would kill him because he failed. So he drew his sword, and Paul, Paul shouts out, no, no, don't do it. We are right here. We haven't left yet. We're sitting right here. Acts chapter 16, verse 29, it says this, the jailer called for lights, and he ran down to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31 says this, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Amen. So the entire, the jailer's entire household, his whole house came to know the grace, came to know the goodness and the salvation available through Jesus Christ. 
I want you to feel and sense something that I've shown you today, church. I want you to feel it, and I want you to, to sense it, what I've shown you. See, before Paul went to prison, God had a plan. Way before he was ever arrested, God had a plan. And see, it's obvious that God didn't do a miracle protection when Paul was beaten. It's completely obvious. But God did it at the right time. He did a miracle protection while they were in prison. And it was obvious, church, completely obvious, the way that God protected Paul. There are so many ways that God does things in our life, things of protection, ways of protection that, you know what, the natural eye, we never see it. We don't, we don't ever see it, that, that God supplies protection for us all, right? You know what? You know how it goes. You're running late for work. Some of you every day. And all of a sudden, you get behind that great big yellow thing that goes slow and stops every 15 feet, and you can't pass it. And you're complaining, like, why does this always happen? This is ridiculous, right? And you know what, church? God might be protecting you. There might be something horrible to happen a little bit further down the road that he protected you from being a part of. Maybe you wanted a job really bad. I'm talking about you were so qualified. You were just telling everybody, work, I want that job. You interviewed for that job, and you didn't get it. And you're like, yeah. Where are you at, God? Six months later, everybody had that job in that company, got laid off. They no longer needed them, but you still got your job. It's a miracle protection. Maybe God is protecting you in ways you didn't understand. I believe that every single one of you, church, you can give God praise because you didn't get an answer to a prayer that you wanted to happen. You realize that later on in life, you prayed hard, and now that you realize later into the future that God had a better plan. For some of you, it has a name. Maybe it's that guy you dated, and you're going to thank God that you didn't marry him because of what he turned out to be. Maybe it's because God had something much better for you. So church, what you do is you offer a sacrifice is of praise. You get to know God's goodness. Church, you recognize his goodness. You recognize his character. I'm talking about you recognize his nature. And when he breaks those chains and opens those doors, you're like, I see what you're doing, God. You recognize it immediately. Church, there are times that he could send an angel of deliverance. We know that. And he doesn't. But when you get to recognize God's goodness and faithfulness, when we start to recognize long before that problem ever rises in our lives, God already has a plan. And I love how the Bible says it, that his plan for you and his plan for me is good, pleasing, and perfect. He knows what he's doing. You think you're smart, but you're not. He really and truly knows what he's doing. God knows the future. He knows how he puts you together. He knows exactly everything. So some of the things that you're longing for and wanting and you're wishing for and you're praying for, God might say, nope, that's not for you. I've got something better for you. See, God delivered Paul from prison multiple times. He delivered Paul from prison until he didn't. Church, there was one time, only one time, that he didn't. See, 
Paul was not just arrested and put in prison once. Biblical scholars say that Paul was in prison during his ministry five and a half to six years total. That's how long he spent time in prison, numerous different times. And and, and God always broke him out when the time was right. God always handled it exactly according to his will. But one time, church, there was one time that God didn't break him out because he had an eternal purpose for him. An eternal purpose. On his fifth missionary journey, Paul was arrested and put in prison. And he was tried by Nero. If you know anything about Roman history, Nero was one nasty cat. He was bad. He hated Christians. And Paul was found guilty of being faithful to Jesus Christ. And he wasn't crucified, though. He wasn't crucified because he couldn't be crucified because he was a Roman citizen. So Nero had him beheaded. God protected him until he didn't. See, before any of us have a problem, I want you to know, church, God has a plan. And sometimes that plan's really hard to hear, isn't it? Don't you hate it when when you're sitting there praying like, God, I want you to do this, and, and Lord, I need you to do this, and then suddenly he reveals his plan to you, and you're like, oh, come on. Are you serious? Because it's not what you thought it would be. Maybe it's not what you desired. It's not what you wanted. You know, I'm sure that Paul wasn't going, waking up in the morning like, Lord, I hope somebody beats me with a wooden rod today and throws me in prison. He never asked for that. But he praised God anyways. He offered up a sacrifice of praise. So as I asked the praise team to come up here this morning, sometimes, church, we realize, we do, we realize that his purposes, his eternal purposes are higher than our thoughts. Seriously, you cannot even begin to fathom how high God's thoughts are for you. You can't even begin to fathom the plans that he has for you, the way he's coordinating, the way he's moving things around for each and every one of us. You can't fathom it. Sometimes you can't understand it. Church, sometimes you don't want to understand it. But God has a plan. It's beyond our capability in these human minds to always understand. But God has a plan. Sometimes, church, his eternal purpose is very different from what we'd want in that moment, right? We're like, God, I want it now. And he goes, like, no, mm-mm. I've got something better for you. Church, I want you to remember that we're not just worshiping him for what we see in this life. We can't just be worshiping him for what we see in this life. We're worshiping him for who he is, for his plans that he has for our future. And so how do you and I, church, how do we work this out? How do we work this out as human beings? How do we work this out as individuals? Here's what you do, church. You pray for God's divine protection. You keep praying for it. Don't say, well, it don't matter anyways because he's already got a plan. No, you keep praying for his divine protection. You know, you pray for the protection of your marriage. You do that. You pray for the protection of your marriage. Church, you pray for your friends. You do that. You pray for your friends. You pray for those in your Bible study. You, you, you pray for your future husband or wife. You better be praying for them. They might need it. But you know what? You better be praying for your pastor. I know he needs it. 
You pray for God to protect those you love. You pray for your children. I don't care how old they are either. You pray for your children that that, that God protects them from bad influences. That, That God protects their minds and their hearts. That he protects them from the lies of the enemy. Church, and then you know what we do? We praise him for his plans. You might not want to, you might not feel it, but you offer him a sacrifice of praise. And I believe that there's some people here today that that's all you've got. Because life is hard. You're struggling. I'm talking about you're hurting. Nobody beat you with a wood rod, but you feel like it, don't you? That you need his protection. But I want you to know, church, God has a plan. Do you realize some of you today, you need saving. You need saving from yourself. You need saving from your sins. You need saving from that darkness in your soul and in your heart. Listen, God had a plan for that too. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. Every single one of us can partake in that plan. Listen, you don't have to know it all. I promise you that. None of us would make it. You don't have to know it all. You you don't even have to have a complete understanding of every single thought of God that's written in this word. All you've got to know is this, that you are tired of living the life that you live. You're tired of the same old thing, the same mistakes, the same sins. Church, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, it says this, all men and ladies too, we fall short of the glory of God. That means you're not going to make it. You're going to make a mistake. You are going to struggle your whole life. But God had a plan. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins from us. To die on a cross, a horrific death. I'm talking brutal. And he did it for you. He had you specifically in mind when he went to that cross. So church, maybe this morning that's for you. You're tired of that same life. You need that newness of life that God promises us. You need to have a brand new life. And so if that is you, I want to encourage you. You come up front. Man, Kim will be up here. The elders will be up here. They'll pray with you. Maybe you don't want anyone to pray at all. You just want to have some time. And you just want to spend it with God. You come up too. It's never too late. Never too late. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you can give your heart to Jesus Christ. So for those of you who desperately need that, you feel the Holy Spirit calling you, I want to encourage you to come forward and the rest of us listen to me, all of you believers in Jesus Christ already. I want to tell you, God has a plan. You could be just like Paul and Silas, like, man, we've been so faithful and look at what God's letting happen in my life. Hmm. God has a plan. You have to trust him in the plan. You have to trust him in the purpose. You have to trust him to carry it out. And church, it might not happen in your timeline, but guess what? His timeline is perfect. So maybe today you're struggling with that. I want to encourage you. You need prayer. You come up here. We'll pray with you. The fact is this church, we've got to surrender. So how about it church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I wanna encourage you to respond this morning.